this morning. That was great. Worship song and singing. Can you hear me okay? And praise the Lord. My wife and I have really enjoyed being here. We've enjoyed meeting you and we've enjoyed the choir and the music. Man, it's just really lifted our hearts and pray that we'll be an encouragement to you this morning as well as we preach the word this morning. And uh, we're thankful for all God's doing for us and all he's going to do. And, and uh, you know, just um, praying that God's would uh, be glorified this morning. Um, do I have a, can I get a music stand or do we have one? That's all right. If we don't, I'll just use this right here. It's okay. Um, I wanted, I, back in November, I wanted to preach this sermon. I thought if I get a chance to preach in 2020 again, uh, I want to preach on the 2020 vision, right? Pray what every pastor's been preaching on, every pastor's been preaching on the 2020 vision. And so my uh, title this morning is 2020 Vision, Seeing Clearly. And it's found here, uh, this passage I want to preach is found in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. And so that's what I want to preach on this morning. That's all right. If you can't find one, that's fine. Okay. And um, I want you to open there. We're going to read here and uh, start by preaching here. Um, but before we do... Um, Josh McDowell, we just talked about a little bit about Josh McDowell this morning in Sunday school class. Thank you, sir. I'm just going to move it up here. Thank you, everybody, for searching for that. Thank you. Josh McDowell, in his book called Answers to Tough Questions, tells about when explorers first went to Australia and found a mammal which laid eggs. Spent some time in water, some on land, had a broad, flat tail, webbed feet, and bill, a bill similar to a duck. Now, don't look on your phones and find out what kind of mammal that is, but I want you to know that they went to, these explorers went to Australia, and they came back to England, and they tried to explain to people what that was. And the people were like, what are you talking about? So they had to go back to Australia and find a pelt from this animal, and took it back to England. But the people still felt it was a hoax. In spite of the evidence, they didn't believe in the duck-billed platypus because they didn't want to believe. And that's the way sometimes Christians in our own life, uh, we, God wants to strengthen our faith. We might have a little bit of faith, we might have a lot of faith, but every day in our Christian life, God wants us to continue to be strengthened in our faith. And that's what this story is about this morning. The disciples were seeing all the great things that Jesus was doing, all the miracles. He was doing all kinds of miracles. And you know what? Jesus still does miracles today. Don't you believe that? Now, I believe God does miracles, not man, but God. And we put our trust and prayer in God to do miraculous things that no man can ever do. And that's what God does. And so we read about this story in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. And I'm going to read it here, and you can follow along or look in your Bibles here. It says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and laid him and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked them, he asked him a question. Let me go back to that question. Do you see anything? 
And he looked and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. And so we see in this passage of Scripture, first of all, uh, we see here that in my introduction, if you want to follow along in your notes that I have, a handout that I have given you, um, if you don't have one, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. But what happened is, uh, even after Jesus in Mark chapter 8, or Mark chapter um, 6, he feeds the 5,000, and he does many other miracles. In chapter 6, 30 through 55, he feeds the 5,000. And then he feeds 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. The 5,000 were mostly the Jewish people. The 4,000 were mostly uh, Gentile people that he fed. And he heals a blind man in this chapter. The disciples are still not understanding or seeing clearly that Jesus was the true Messiah. This particular miracle that we're talking about this morning is only found in the book of Mark. I find that very interesting. It's only found in the Gospel of Mark. And, uh, and, and it talks about how that Jesus healed this blind man. And so we're going to read about it and talk about it some more. But first one thing I want you to know is that having a 2020 vision, number one, means that you're bringing family and friends to Jesus so that their lives can be changed. That's what it says in verse 22. It says there, in verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida, Bethsaida, and people brought him to brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. So just like last week, we talked about how that these four friends brought their friend to Jesus. Here we see once again that there are people that are bringing somebody, whether they're his friends or not, it doesn't say, but they brought this blind man to Jesus. Could you imagine, maybe these friends that brought this blind man to Jesus heard about these four other guys uh, from, that brought their friend, the paralyzed guy, to Jesus and changed his life. Well, they brought him to Jesus, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. We learned that in Sunday school, that there are different ways that we can have opportunities to share the gospel with Je of Jesus Christ with others. Sometimes we don't always have to go up to somebody and say, hey, accept Jesus or you're going to go to hell, Right? Sometimes that may happen, we have to do that, but not very often you want to you use some tactic, right? Some tactic, some tact, or something like that. Um, <laughs> whatever that's called, tact. But here these guys are coming, they're begging Jesus. First of all, they're bringing him to Jesus, and also they're begging him to do what? To touch him, to touch him. Now, that's what happened when you became a Christian, Jesus Christ touched your life. He changed your life. It was the gospel. Someone brought you to Jesus. Maybe it was your mom or your dad, or maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or a preacher. Maybe it was you heard the gospel and someone, a friend invited you to church, and you heard about the gospel. And that happened to me when I was seven years old. I grew up in California, uh, lands of fruits and nuts, you know. Uh, I... Uh, I, when I, I was brought to Sunday school by my mom, my dad was a drunk, didn't go to church, and I came to, to his children's church, and the lady, the teacher there, she said, who would like to trust Jesus as their Savior? I raised my hand. I was seven years old, and I knelt down beside her, and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and it's been dynamite ever since. 
I should try that again. It's been dynamite <laughs> ever since. Amen. And that means, you know, it's been powerful. It's changed my life. I started going to church. My family started going to church. My dad became a Christian. He no longer was he a drunk. He, he saw the change in us. He saw that we saw, I saw him transformed by Jesus Christ. And so bringing people to Jesus, where would we be, where, where would we be where would we be if not for family and friends bringing us to Jesus? Or where would we be if people weren't praying for us to trust in Jesus Christ? Don't give up on praying for others to come to Jesus Christ. It can still happen. And so that was what it said in verse 22. They begged Jesus to touch him. They brought the blind man to, and begged him to touch him. They begged him to touch him. I don't, know what you know, I don't know if you know what the word beg means, but it means beg. Now, if you're from Minnesota, you say bag. You don't say beg. <laughs> My wife says it all the time. Drives me crazy. <laughs> but they were begging Jesus. They were saying, begging Jesus, please, please, can you touch our friend? Please, will you touch him? Please, please, will you please? They're begging him just to touch their friend, to touch their friend. Well, we see here that Jesus goes ahead in verse 23 then. He says, and he begged, and, he, and they begged him to, uh, 23, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit in his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? So we see here that number two then, having 2020 spiritual vision is seeing Jesus clearly. You know, sometimes as Christians, we don't understand everything about the gospel. We don't, ever, we don't understand everything about the Bible. I mean, I mean, as you don't have to go to Bible college to know everything about the Bible. You don't have to go to seminary. You have the Holy Spirit helping you to learn about the Bible. I've met many people that know a lot about the Bible, never been to Bible college. But yet they don't know everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about the Bible. There's still things that we're learning and we're trying to understand. And that's what the disciples were. They were saying, we wonder if this guy truly is still, they were thinking this, I can't imagine why, but they were still thinking, is he really the Messiah? Because what kind of Messiah did they want? They wanted a Messiah that was uh, like a king. They wanted a Messiah that would free them from the Roman oppression. They wanted a Messiah that would, would set up the kingdom right then and there. They wanted a different Messiah. So he says to them, matter of fact, he says to them in verse 18 of chapter 8, he says, having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves and fed the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven, and the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? They didn't understand that he couldn't see. They, were, they still didn't realize that he was the true Messiah. And so we see here that Jesus 
when he was going to touch this man, he had compassion on him. He took this man by the hand. He was personal. He takes the blind man to a more private place. He was, he was, it just shows the compassion that Jesus had. And in verse 24 there, he says, And he looked up and said, I see people. Jesus asked him, what do you see? He touched him. And, and you know, Jesus heals people differently throughout the Gospels. And in this way, and this one I told you, it's a particular one, is very different from all the other ones. Because sometimes Jesus just spoke, and it happened. Sometimes Jesus laid hands on people, and it happened. Sometimes he had different things, different ways. Well, he says, first of all, he said, I see people, but they look like trees. He couldn't see very clearly. He, he was blurred. His vision was blurred. Then Jesus, verse 25, laid his hands upon his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So twice he touches him, twice. You know, sometimes as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, we need a second touch, don't we, to understand things. Sometimes our faith is weak and we need to keep growing in our faith. And sometimes we just need Jesus to give us a second understanding or a clearer vision of what's going on in our lives and how we need to grow in our faith. And sometimes we need a third or fourth or fifth touch, don't we? Jesus, he went forward and he touched this guy twice. Jesus wasn't limited in his power. That's why he couldn't heal them the first time. But what he was doing was he was showing his disciples Listen, your faith needs to grow stronger. And really it was for the, most, the disciples' eyes, the, the blind man's eyes to be open physically, but the disciples' eyes to be open spiritually. That's the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach them. So he was compassionate. He took his hand. He was personal. He took the blind man to a private, private place. He was powerful. Jesus is powerful. The two-stage healing, a second touch, doesn't mean that Jesus had a limited power. Charles Spurgeon says this about this passage. Had our Lord cast out all his miracles in one mold, men would have attached undue importance to this manner by which he worked and would have superstitiously thought more of it than the divine power by which the miracle was accomplished. You see, Jesus' way is always the best way. His timing is always the best timing. He's never, he never comes when it's too early or it's too late. It always happens right when he wants it to happen. He needed more than a single touch. A first touch is needed. He needed a second touch. Sometimes we must come again and again with the encouraging news that is that God is a God of second touches. Jesus healed a number of blind individuals in many different ways. In Matthew 9, two blind men regained their sight when Jesus simply touched their eyes. In Matthew 12, we read that Jesus healed a blind man and a mute man, but we're not told how. In Mark 10, blind Bartimaeus, in Mark chapter 10, could see after Jesus simply spoke a word. In John chapter 9, a man who was born blind healed was healed after Jesus sped on the ground and made some mud and then put mud on his eyes. He couldn't see until he went down and washed in the pool of Salaam. 
the words that this man did after he washed there, he said, I know this. One thing I don't know, he said, that I, I was blind, but now I see. Jesus was a promised Savior. In Isaiah 35, 5, he talks about how that the eyes of the blind shall, see, shall be opened. In Luke 4, 18 through 19, Jesus quotes another passage in Isaiah. And, and it says, a, seven year, a 700-year-old prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to pro proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And then in Luke chapter 7, verses 20 through 22, John the Baptist's disciples, they go to Jesus and said, Are you the one? Or should we look for another? And Jesus says, go back and tell John that, uh, tell him you have seen and heard the blind receive their sight, and so on. So we see here that the miracle was for the eyes of, the spiritual eyes of the disciples. And so he says here in verse 27 then, uh, 26, and he sent him, uh, sent him, to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. And so spiritual vision, 2020 vision is bringing people to Christ, having a clear vision of who you can reach, the opportunities that you have that you can bring people to Christ. 2020 spiritual vision is seeing Christ clearly that maybe you don't know everything that you should know about the Bible, and that's, what we, that's why we need to be in the Bible and reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And we can have a clearer vision of who he really is. That he's the God who is the creator. He's uh, the one who works miracles. And he worked a miracle in your life when you became a Christian. And he wants you to grow as a Christian. And he wants you to have stronger faith. And so in this year 2020, we can have stronger faith. We can really trust in him and know him and come to him in prayer and say, God, you are the God who answers prayer. And then 2020 vision is having 2020 spiritual vision Marks you as separated from your old ways. Marks you as separated from your old ways. What happened was in this man, he told him, he said, don't go back to Bethsaida. Don't go back to Bethsaida, this town, but go to your home. Don't go back to where you were. Don't go back to where you, what you've been doing, whatever it is you've been doing. He says, separate yourselves. Another time in Mark chapter 10, when blind Bartimaeus gets his eyes, opens his, his eyes healed, and his eyes are open, blind Bartimaeus leaves behind his old clothes. It's a, it's a sign of saying, hey, there's a change here. There's a change going on. He's not going to go back and put on the old clothes after his eyes are open. Those old rusty, uh, rusty, dusty, probably rusty, those old dusty clothes, he's not going to go back to those. He's going to, he can see now. He can put on a new robe. And that's the way it is with us as Christians. We don't need to go back to the old ways that are causing us and dragging us down, those sinful habits, those things that are hanging on, we're hanging on to, those worries, those cares, those uh, addictions, those things that we have in our life that we need to get rid of. We can just simply come before the Father and say, Father, heal me of this sin He'll cause me to get rid of this. Forgive me of my sins, like we talked about last week. And he'll forgive you and make you a new person and keep going on and on for him as a Christian. 
If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have a relationship with him, he wants you to trust in him. The Bible says he died on the cross, he shed his blood, and he was buried and risen again to give you life. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And if, we're tr- if you'll trust in him and believe what he's done for you and, and what he wants you to do, you'll have a new purpose for life and a new way of life. That's what makes Jesus so real. Because I've seen transformations happen before my eyes. You may have too in your own life. And I know that it's real. And the Bible says that we don't need to go back to our old way. We need to keep going forward. Well, the disciples, they were still wondering. Matter of fact, that culminates later on in Mark chapter 8. When Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're, you're Jesus, the Messiah. And then later on, He says to, the, to Peter, Peter says, because in Mark chapter 8, 31, Mark chapter 9, 31, and Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells the disciples, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be uh, crucified, and I'm going to raise again in three days. And Peter's like, no way. And what does he say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You're not going to throw me off this course. But he says to his disciples something else. Look, if you will, at verse 34. And calling to the crowd to him, with him, his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father which the, with the holy angels. That's a whole other sermon. But what I'm saying is, Jesus is still telling his disciples, you need to learn to grow in your faith. Because if you're, gonna, if you're not ready to grow in your faith now, when I leave, you're going to have the Holy Spirit to help you. But it wasn't even until after the resurrection of Christ that many of them started to believe, yes, he is the true Messiah. And if you look at Matthew chapter 28, uh, before 19 and 20, verse 17 or 18, I think it is, there are some there that even still don't believe. It's amazing. Our faith needs to grow closer to him. We need to have a 2020 vision. I wish I had 2020 vision. They say that when you get cataract surgery, you have almost 2020 vision. I'm hoping one day that will happen. <laughs> but we need to have 2020 vision. You as a church, you need to figure out who you are, and maybe you already do, and I don't know. I'm, I'm just here to preach for you today. And I'm thankful for the opportunity. And you just need to trust the Lord and make your faith grow stronger. And that's what each individual needs to do as well. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that you've shown us how that you're the great healer. Father, there may be some this morning that are struggling physically. I pray, Father, you would, you would heal them. Lord, you could still heal people. Lord, we have friends and family members that are sick or maybe 
even on their deathbed, I pray, Father, that you would heal them if it be your will. Father, we know that there are friends and family that need Christ. Father, help us to have opportunity to, to take them to Jesus, to bring them to Jesus, whatever way that may be. Lord, we need to beg you that you would touch them. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your word and for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.